Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Cabin Devils. It's great. Uh, it's a beautiful evening, quiet where I'm at. We got a scare a few minutes ago when power went off, but it is back, and I'm really, really excited about tonight. If you do have friends who you believe need to be here for the show, please go ahead and invite them. Just tap that button with an arrow pointing outwards. Let them know that uh, we are live. But I can see Nobot, our super fan club member. Actually, the first super fan club member is here with us. Ochooks, you're welcome. Grace Natali, thank you so much for coming. Peter Son, Habariako, and then we do have Ella Chiravo. It's been a while, Ella. We need to link up one of these days. And we do have John uh, coming in. Florence, Florence, where are you tuning in from? Um, glad that you're also here with us, Mr. David Chiravira. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. He's our special guest tonight. And our speaker is going to be Mr. Roy. And we do have Phoebe. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Kelvin, you are always always welcome to cabin devils i hope i never left out anyone else some of you like to use your uh, desktops i'm using a desktop i cannot be able to see your name and ladies and gentlemen we're joined by lucy lou as well let's begin our program i do not want to reward the late comers by punishing the early comers i do a couple of things to share with you tonight in fact there's going to be three of us um and it's exciting it's a tough decision, I mean, a tough question we're going to be dealing with today. Uh, but because everyone has been affected by by COVID, especially when it comes to work. I mean, I cannot stop looking at uh, headlines of the government not deciding when schools are going to open. They are always deciding, they have, they've consulted experts, but they are not deciding. In the process of deciding, they are still not deciding. I cannot imagine how many jobs have been affected. And uh, today we do have Roy Ochuka, who is going to be sharing with us his personal story as he shares from God's Word as well concerning how the pandemic has affected him. And I pray that we'll learn a couple of similarities and uh, maybe lessons uh, to understand that Christians all over the world have been affected uh, similarly. I was looking up a couple of things here and I came across someone's testimony uh, online um, his name is A. Name is disappearing. The article is called The Challenge of Being a Faithful Boss When a Pandemic Nearly Kills Your Industry. That's the challenge. Tonight, being a faithful boss when a pandemic nearly kills your industry. This is a Christian uh, restaurant owner um, who was going through some very difficult moments, having to decide who to lay off and who not to lay off. And this is what he had to say. He said, as a Christian... I've always been open about how my faith drives everything I do and shapes how I run my business. The decision to dismiss employees was agonizing, but I wanted to come up with the most ethical and moral way to care for those who worked for us. He says, my commitment to leading and caring for people biblically didn't let up just because times got tough. In fact, he says, I had to lean on God for guidance and hope more than ever. And he says, but I wanted to help those I had to let go. He says, I looked for ways to offer support even after they were no longer on my payroll. I emailed them on a regular basis with information about ways to file for unemployment and other available benefits. But people were still angry even after we reached out to help. Some didn't believe the layoffs were necessary and disputed our motives, even going as far as calling us fake Christians. We are grateful that as stay-home orders began to lift, we were able to hire people back, but that did not mean our problem went away. We encountered new issues, he says. He says, among the employees who did return, several were battling drug and, alco and alcoholic problems. Then theft became an issue. Thousands of company dollars went missing. Certain employees were desperate that they would pocket cash and steal. This guy says that faith played a very huge part in getting me through. 
He says, from the beginning, I was honest with my wife and kids that our business may not survive. Still, I can truthfully say that at no time during the past year did I question my faith. As we look ahead to the future and a slow return to the new normal, I can see how my walk with God is more intimate. I could not face the challenges of 2020 alone. I now invite him more readily into each situation and into the details of my professional and personal life. What a testimony. What a testimony. And I want to believe that that is why we have Cabin Devils tonight, that as a believer, you, you and I will remain connected to the Savior and face whatever challenge that comes our way. And we want to face that challenge with these words. And I quote the words of Paul when he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I wish we could say that together. I wish we were in the same room and we could say that together. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by Mr. David Chiravira. And, and the question for Mr. David Chiravira as we begin to uh, our discussion today, um, remember that Mr. Roy Ochuka is our main speaker, but I asked David to come and, and just share with us his heart uh, briefly in 10 minutes. I'm not saying his heart is that small, that it can be shared in 10 minutes, but just briefly, uh, and some of the things that were going on uh, in his head. But David... The question I have for you is is basic. Um, what have you found most helpful uh, during this time as a boss? And uh, I'm talking about mistakes or things you would not repeat. Um, or what has helped? Uh, just just your boss experience, if I can put it that way. And and I, I want people listening in today to just get a glimpse of what it means to have eighty different ones waiting on a decision, especially with the school. Um, the government is saying we are opening, then they're saying we're not opening, should we go online? Uh, things like pay cuts and things like those, I know those are decisions that you've had to battle with, but what, what have you found to be helpful um, during the pandemic when it comes to work and making decisions as a boss? Debbie. Well, thank you, David, and uh, good evening, everyone. Roy is going to talk about this. It, it, this is a very tough time for um, almost everyone. It doesn't matter where you are. Um, I've, I've, I've traveled a little bit out of Uganda, and it's the same scenario. It's a very difficult time. People are going through so much. Uh, there's so much an, an anxiety. There's People are angry, mm. actually, um, when, when, when I was out there, my message was really centered about anger and people are angry everywhere. Uh, it doesn't matter. People are agitated. People are scared. People are exhausted emotionally. So mm. that's the overriding atmosphere and probably Roy is going to share about that. So that's where leaders are finding themselves operating under. And, and, and leaders are also experiencing the same conditions that everybody else is experiencing. But now leaders have to deal with, you know, I was actually laughing when you read that article um, at how true it is everywhere. And I can tell you it's everywhere. Um, I was on, on, on follow and part of my follow is visiting different churches, uh, meeting up with pastors. Usually it is moments for me to be encouraged, but I can't, I can tell you numerous pastors that I sat down with, they're exhausted, David. They're exhausted emotionally. Two of them, you know, just told me, I want to quit. Um, <clears throat> you know, you, you can't, you can't be right, you know, especially with the COVID issue, you know, you have people on the other side, when you do something that is SOP related, half the church is against it. You know, when you, you ignore and you go on the other side, half the other churches is against it. And, and you know, people leaving churches, people quitting. So, and, and, and um, you know, this, this past week I was, um, I was invited at an organization to do a training for, for their leaders. And I remember at the end, 
the CEO was almost in tears. He didn't want me to leave. She did not want me to leave, you know, because the things that I shared, she could find, she could see, you know, we're in the same boat and it's like I was speaking the same language and nobody else understood what she was going through. She was almost in tears, not wanting me to leave. And that's the almost overwhelming place where most leaders are right now. It is a very difficult moment to be a leader right now because people are emotional. People are anxious. People are, you know, they, they've just gone through so much. And so part of leadership now includes counseling. It mm. includes, you know, being able to understand what people are going through. And um, for me, the, the, the best example, the two best examples of uh, people that manage that kind of environment is Moses. Moses was faced with similar situations that we're going through. And, and so even as I will share um, very briefly, I, I think my handbook is taken right out of what Moses had to deal with when he had an anxious people uh, who were afraid of the giants ahead, who, you know, were looking back and, and wishing, you know, things were as they were in Egypt and, and, and you know, all sorts of things going on. Um, and so even as I share, uh, a number of things that I'll be sharing are very similar to, to what Moses did. So how have I been able to, to deal with, with this and... Um, you know, maybe encourage other leaders that have encountered um, one abiding in God's word. Hmm. Um, you know, I have found it very helpful for me. Um, you know, going through like Exodus and and just seeing, being encouraged that you know you you are in you're in a good place with you know people who've been there. Um, you know, the Psalms have been as well. Um, and you know, I've, I've, I've had to send portions of some to some of my friends who are in leadership and, and facing, you know, different um, things. And then, so number one, abiding and, and finding, you know, uh, solace in God's word and, 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 and principles, just like what that article shared, you shared um, what was saying. Number two is um, James one nineteen. I have found that very, very helpful. You see, in a situation where people are very anxious, people are, 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 they want to vent. Everyone wants to say something. Everyone wants to have their voice felt, their feelings heard. And so James 1.19, you know, talks about being quick to listen. Um, I, I have made a decision to just be a listening post just to be available, uh, to listen to, you know, what people are going through, listen to their emotions, listen to their heart, listen to their fears, listen to their frustration, listen to their anger, and, and you know, not even say anything back, just, just to be a listening post. And, and if I must speak, you know, just maybe prayer and, and then just affirm what they're listening to. So I think this is a time for listening more than speaking if, if one is a leader. Um, any leader that tries to speak and speak more and more and more, you, you just face resistance. Um, so that's number two, James 1.19, listening more and speaking less. Number, number three, what I found helpful um, is prayer. You see this with Moses. Uh, when people begin to complain they want garlic, Moses withdraws and goes to pray. Uh, when Miriam and, and, and the brother, you know, start undermining uh, Moses, he withdraws to pray. When the people begin to doubt God and they, you know, exalt the giants above God, uh, they are anxious about, you know, different things, Moses withdraws. Interesting, Jesus does the same thing. So, mm. you know, withdrawing from whatever it is and spending time praying, uh, if, if you're a leader and you're a Christian leader, the, if you're not spending more time praying, I, I don't know how you're going to make it. 
Um, and there's a way in which prayer just, you know, refocuses and re-energizes you as a leader. And it reminds you that it's really not about you. It's about God. Uh, prayer has a way of helping me as a leader to realize, you know, the back does not stop at me. It stops at God and therefore to go to him in prayer. Uh, the other thing that I can share, maybe number four, that has been helpful for me is finding a sounding board, a sounding board, someone to talk to. Uh, someone out of the, you know, the system. And for me, one of the things that I really uh, worked at and purpose to do was make friends with my board, have friends. And, and one of the things that I've enjoyed is my board members calling me anytime, anyone, any, and, you know, about any issue and asking me. Um, and and you, even my immediate supervisor, we, we chat almost every day. Uh, you know, I tell him what, what's going on. I tell him, you know, what I'm thinking. Uh, and I just, you know, he doesn't even tell me much <laughs> in terms of advice, but he's there as a sounding board um, and, and avoiding to, you know, offload to my wife, uh, but finding somebody else. I share some things with my wife, but I am careful not to offload and leave the burdens with, with my wife. So finding a sounding board that is outside the system is is very very helpful um so maybe those are the things that i can i can share um mm. that have been helpful for me as a leader that i've shared with other leaders uh, that are going through uh, similar moments uh because all of us are going through all that now um what maybe i, I would i would do differently is uh this is interesting, um, and, and I had this in, in the article that you read, and I mm. just laughed. Uh, when people are anxious, when people are angry, when people are scared, I have found this, that in those moments, people are not interested in the truth. Uh, people are not interested in the facts. Um, you know, they, they just want the pain to go away. Uh, you can imagine going to a doctor and uh, you're in so much pain and the doctor is, you know, telling you about the facts, about the sickness that you're going through. What people want is the pain to go away. So, mm. you know, finding ways uh, and some of the things that I've shared with you, uh, some of the things, you know, just listen. Just mm. listen to people and pray, uh, but being careful not to promise what you can't deliver because that also in itself can, can be a problem. So if you don't have salaries, tell people the truth and don't promise, hey, you know what? We are going to pay you. We are going to, no, 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 no. Uh, be truthful, but you know, be careful um, how you do that and, and listen more. Um, I don't know whether that has been helpful, David. Definitely, definitely it has been. And even when you kept talking, I, you gave the example of Moses, and I can't imagine what went through uh, Miriam. I think it was Miriam uh, who begin, began to think that they can do a better job. I forget who they connived with. Um, yes. my, wife, my wife knows the Old Testament stories better than I do. She has details of names. and But, you know, from outside, when you talked about being slow to speak and, and, uh, and, and quick to listen and slow to anger, the same goes for our famous team, Arsenal. When they are playing, you can be on the screen shouting at how they should be playing and how they should be scoring. And you may think you can do a better job until they put you in that pitch and you're running and you forget that it's it's bigger than a, a TV screen. Mm. And I'm thinking, I think even this time, you may not be supposedly a boss, uh, mm. but I think it's important to pray. Um, not just as bosses, but also to pray for your boss, pray for your leaders. I know we, we keep saying that and you keep hearing it in church. Let's pray for our leaders. Let's pray for our leaders. Even as we began this podcast today, I kept talking about how the government is meeting and they're not deciding. I was not mm -hmm. talking about how we can pray for them to make the right decisions. But mm -hmm. if you see the posts on Facebook and the comments, everyone is angry at mm -hmm. how indecisive they are but we've not stopped to pray. And so I want to challenge each one of us who are listening in tonight. We take a minute, a moment, just to pray for our leaders. I want to ask you, David, just to commit our leaders, because I think 
80 staff members look a lot until you have millions <laughs> of head teachers waiting on your decision. And uh, let's just commit them to God in prayer. We may not agree with everything they do. We may not agree with their decisions, but let's commit them to God in prayer. And so you did talk about prayer. Let me ask you to just uh, pray for our leaders, not just for Uganda, but even the countries around us, Kenya and Rwanda, Mm -hmm. uh, as God uses them to just guide us forward um, moving on from now. Debbie. You know, you know, you talk about social media. Um, I mm. think two days ago, the first lady tried to engage the, you know, uh, people, the public on Twitter, and and mm. she posted a document there. You know, I, I mean, I could see what she was trying to do, and, and you know, factual, opening her heart. But in my mind, I was saying it's the same, same thing. People mm. are not interested in the truth. Mm. And you could see the comments that followed immediately she had posted it. People were angry and people, you know, I, I, I stopped and I prayed for that woman. Mm. I stopped and I prayed for, you know, the technocrats in the ministry of, of education because I understand where they are, but I also understand where people are. You know, they are seeing their children. You know, this evening I just had an announcement of a child that died from drowning. And probably if that child was at school, that wouldn't have happened. So that's where the society is. Uh, they need to pray for society and our leaders. So let me, let me just pray. Father, thank you so much. Um, because your word says uh, all authorities appointed by you. And God, you have appointed um, the different people uh, for this time. Uh, you knew even before time that we will get through a crisis, we'll go through this time period. And even before time, you appointed the different leaders to be and to superintend the affairs of, of, of mankind, of countries, of, of organizations uh, for this time period. Lord, I pray for wisdom. I pray for you know a calmness and uh, people to you know, the leaders to, 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 to be in touch with you, to be in touch with, with your heart on, on how you desire for them to lead your people through this time period. I pray for resilience. I pray for patience upon the leaders. I pray for strength. I pray for rest. I pray for, you know, godly wisdom. And I also pray for those that, you know, that are being led, myself, that is being led by, you know, my local authorities, the president, um, the different authorities that I'm answerable to. I pray that I will be that kind of, of citizen that, you know, sees the importance to, to, to pray, even when I don't agree, uh, to pray and, and, and seek for God's wisdom in, in, uh, in, in all these times and these circumstances. I praise and I honor you and I, I pray all this trusting and believe in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, David, for those 10 minutes. They've been very, very fruitful. And I hope to have you back one of these days uh, to discuss a couple of things. By the way, for those of you who are listening, uh, based on our conversation from last week, uh, David, I want to do an episode and I'm going to entitle it Men That Do Dishes. Um, mm. So it's going to come up someday. Um, especially when you think of the Swahili word, umekaliwa, talking about our married friends who are here. I will definitely have you back. Not that you're the man who washes dishes, but I would like to involve you in that discussion. But thank you, Debbie, uh, for being with us tonight. At this point in time, allow me to invite Mr. Roy Ochuka to join us in the live room. It's exactly 9.30, and we are going to be listening from Gold's Ward this evening. Much attention focuses on the number of deaths when you think of COVID news and uh, not, not, not so much without justification, but, but the numbers do grow worrisome. Numbers of the disease, numbers of those testing positive, numbers of those in ICU, numbers of ventilators, and now the numbers of those who have been vaccinated. And these statistics can get you worried. Such numbers are a sign of fundamental matters. Uh, like human health uh, being amiss. And, I, and I'm borrowing the words uh, of Robert Yabo. I think that's his name, when he wrote the article entitled, I Worked Harder. I think also borrowing the words of uh, Mr. Paul, uh, the apostle as we know him. He says, the point 
is not that only money or trade work is of value. It's rather that every believer's life should be centered on God's service for the promotion of God's glory. Since in Paul's days, as when the Proverbs were written centuries earlier, most livelihoods required that we would consider hard physical work. Paul's word to all believers in all situations was, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Let's remember that. That's found I think in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Even allowing for changes over the ages, that is still perfectly understandable and highly applicable, whatever our station in life today. And I believe that's where the challenge is, ladies and gentlemen, that just when you think you're hardworking, the question is posed, are you hardworking in everything that you do? Because it says, in whatever you do, not just in the work you've been given at work, but in whatever you do, in whatever you do, are you doing all for the glory of God? Mr. Roy Ochika, welcome back to Cabin Devils. It's great to have you back. How have you been, sir? Habariako. How do you greet in the evening? Is it a bariazieni? Something like that. I know Habariasubu is in the morning. How do you greet in the evening? Habariagioni. Habariagioni. I was going to say zioni. It's G, but it's spelled with the Z. No, J-I-O-N-I. G with a J. J for Jerican. The J. Yes. Awesome. I'm done. My, my, my Swahili is done. My Swahili is over. Now I'm in negatives. I'm borrowing the rest. But how, let's just go straight into a couple of tough questions I have for you here, Mr. Roy. When it comes to just your work experience, we know you run accounts for Word of Life in Kabete. And uh, I actually want to assume it's Word of Life Kenya plus the one of Mombasa, but I'm not so sure. It's just that when I was there, I left you my invoice, which you never you never paid. Uh, but that's okay. That's for another day. That's for another day. I'm still, I'm still, you, you guys are still indebted. But Mr. Roy, um, let me ask a question that most of us, okay, some of us here could have gone through as individuals. Um, the, 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 the problem of being fired. Um, you, COVID is hard, but then when you add COVID and being fired, that's like double trouble. But let me ask, how, how would you handle uh, being fired if you were fired today? I'm not saying you're going to be, but if you are fired today, how do you anticipate a question like that? I'm sure you've thought about losing your job. And, and I know the reaction is different from what you anticipate and how you would respond to being told that your services are no longer required. But Roy, how, how would you handle being fired as a believer today? Um, thank you, David, um, for the opportunity and the chance. Um, you need to upgrade your Swahili. Um, if you're going to involve us Kenyans in your cabin levels. <laughs> you know Swahili um, is for thieves. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Uganda has given us a very bad perception of Swahili. Uh, but Swahili is a very gentle language. Um, now, to answer your question, how would I react if I was fired? Um, David, I will be tempted to say that I will be okay. I will say that um, at the end of the day, God is in control. I will. I, right now, if you ask me, I will go all scriptural. But uh, based from past experiences, I will say that um, I would, losing a job is losing something very dear. So there are very high chances that I will go through it the way one will go through grief. I will go through periods of anger. I will ask uh, the question, why me? What makes the other people special that they were not fired and I was fired? I will go through a point of denial, asking myself, is it that I'm not well qualified? Is it that um, I am not wanted? Is it that I am not the right kind of a person? Um, what did I do wrong? I will always try to subjectify the firing and try and just ask myself, what did I do wrong? 
and that's the process of denial. Then there will be a process of um, eventually acceptance uh, because once you fire David B as it may, um, there is no, unless the organization resigns its decision, more likely or not, it is time for you to move ahead. So I will say I will go through the motions of grief, just like any other loss um, that people go through. And that being fired from a job is not as easy or as accommodating as it probably looks like. Um, where I used to work before I came to Out of Life, um, my boss used to tell me that he knows that uh, most people already have a plan B. Um, should he decide to chase everyone, everybody has a plan B. But sometimes even with your plan B or plan C or plan whatever it is that you have, you still expect that you will hold on to the job that you have because there are so many things attached to your job. Your livelihood is attached there. Your family is attached there if you're the breadwinner. Um, your social status is attached to your job, um, how people perceive you. Um, I don't know about Uganda, but in Kenya, there's a question that people ask you when they meet you, and it's usually the first question. And this is usually to, to judge your social status. Uh, the first question they will ask you is, so what are you doing nowadays? So what are you up to? Um, this is so that most people ask this question so that they can know where to place you. So a job is not just um, mere work for some people. It's everything to them. So a loss of their job could um, signal and allow so many things to take place. So just to race back to your question, I will, I Currently, I will think scriptural, but I know and I have from experience know that if I was actually to lose my job, then I know um, I will go through the emotions of grief. David. Um, I know it's, it's, it's one question that is difficult to answer until it has uh, happened to you, but you did mention a very great point there that I believe makes being fired difficult, the, the, the concept of identity. Um, I've not worked anywhere else apart from Word of Life. I interned here and uh, it's still where I work. I don't even know what other places of work look like. And this is an identity. You meet someone and say, hey, Devi, how is Word of Life? Uh, as if that's where you stay. And the imagination of not working there anymore now, I'm sorry, Roy, that's where you stay, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that didn't come out well. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's some people here who are living within one of life, and, and that's okay. Then they have double trouble because that's where they work and stay. So when someone asks how one of life, they are meaning two things. But yeah, it's mm. when it comes to identity, it can it can really strike really, really hard, especially for some of us who are in um, vocational ministry and i'm sure it also applies for those who may be working at mtn and and that's how they know you and i think that's the painful part um but again it's there's no quick answer we can only just hope that we will remain connected we will remain connected one thing i see about faithful men through the scripture is they always remained connected uh to god but Roy, I'm going to ask you to share with us from God's word what you have prepared. It's exactly 40 minutes past nine. And I pray that each one of us present here, he will be blessed. Thank you so much, David, once again for the opportunity and the chance you've given me to share um, from God's word. And as I also take an opportunity to just give reflections on my Christian work, especially as relates to work. And I know that this message might relate with many people and it might also resonate in many people's hearts. Um, this could be a heartbeat of many people and I hope and I pray that God's word will be an encouragement and also a motivating factor for them to be able to continue trusting just as you have so aptly put it. So I'm just going to do seven things um, when I talk about my reflections on work and especially as a Christian, just seven things and then I think we'll be done for the evening. The first question I will ask myself, or rather we would ask ourselves as Christians then is, why work? Why engage in 
meaningful activity because that is what I would um, define as work. Why engage in meaningful activity? Why try to find a way of earning a living? In Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, uh, God takes time to create the world. And as he's creating the world, something very interesting happens. Whenever he creates something, right from the skies to the oceans to the land to the animals that team the land and the sea to man, eventually, each of these creations, he says, it is good. So the first thing that I would put in my heart when I began developing my working culture, and especially when I became a Christian, was that it is good. God actually does it in form of creation, and he qualifies it. He adjectifies it by saying, it is good. So why work? Because it is good. God says work is good. And as he creates everything he does, he says it is good. So therefore, the essence of work itself is to deliver good, to offer good, to create an environment where good um, in essence, can prosper. The question then I ask myself next is, then what does it mean to be a faithful worker? If work is good, what does it mean for me as a Christian, and especially as Roy, what does it mean to be a faithful worker? And I'm taken back to the story in Matthew chapter 25, and also the same story appears in the book of Luke, where a master goes out on a journey, and as he's going out on a journey, he places talents in the hands of his servants. One he gives five, another two, and another one. And the reaction of these servants already signifies faithfulness when work is given onto your hands. There's one statement in scripture in that story that actually resonated so well with me when I was, as I, as I, in fact, even as I actually continued developing my working culture, even as a Christian is that he gave each according to their ability. The Lord, in allowing me to be on this earth, has already enabled me enough to be able to work. And he has put into my hand something to do. And the, 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 the most beautiful thing that a faithful person can do when they are given work to do is multiply, is to produce fruit. The first servant goes, multiplies the five to ten, he doubles it up. The second servant uh, multiplies two to four, he doubles it up. But the third servant acts like how most of us would act. He buries his potential, he buries the master's expectations, he buries the giftings and the abilities that God has given him. And as I reflect as a Christian, one thing comes to mind and I ask myself, Roy, have I really been a faithful worker all along? And the funny thing is that all through my working life, I have found myself being each of the servants described in Matthew chapter 25. There are days that I've actually woken up and I have pursued excellence to the core. I have done everything possible to be able to be excellent in whatever task was handed down to me. And there are times I have woken up and I have found myself as that other servant, a man who has buried his potential. I have been given a task and either because of events that are external to me or either because of my not liking the task or it's not my favorite task to do, then I have not given it the full potential that ideally will be given to such a task. And therefore, listeners, I will just urge us to just think of ourselves and ask ourselves, what sort of a worker are we? Are we the faithful worker? Are we the people who multiply the potential and the abilities that God has given us in working in our different areas? Now, David has said something very interesting, that some of us have found ourselves in vocational callings, uh, missionary, pastor, and whatnot. Whereas others have, in lack of a better word, finds themselves in more secular um, kind of work environments. But irrespective of where you find yourself, the truthfulness or the essence of a faithful worker remains constant. As one of my mathematics teachers used to use, usually used to say whenever he made a statement is that C is constant. 
But now when it comes to work, I will say F is constant. Faithful ought to be faithfulness ought to be there whether you're working in vocational calling or in the secular environment. The third thing I would love to share as part of my reflection is on leadership and its effects on an excellent worker. Now, most of us could find ourselves in environments that are so hostile, either because of the boss, and we find ourselves not liking the boss, and we find ourselves um, under the, a leadership that we feel is suppressive to our potential or suppressive to what we deem to be right. But what does the Bible say about us when we find ourselves in such situations? In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 to 8, the Bible says that servants, be obedient to those who are calling to the flesh, are your masters with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as to Christ. Not in the way of service, only when eyes are on you, as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as the Lord and not to men knowing that whatever good thing each one does, he will receive the same again from the Lord, whether he is bound or free. I have heard of testimonies of individuals who have been faithful to their leaders, even when their leaders did not deserve the faithfulness that they were offering. And because of their faithfulness, leaders have actually even found themselves coming to Christ. Because they will look at this worker who is testifying of his faith, who is testifying of his salvation, and they will look at his behavior, his faithfulness. And the, the heart of this leader will be softened, will be made more malleable, and the word of God permeates his life through the actions of the worker, and therefore, in essence, the leader gets saved or comes to Christ. So sometimes in aspects of leadership, we find ourselves as servants in very precarious positions, places where leaders may not be the best of the best. And here's the irony of life. I have heard of even people or instances where servants were working for leaders who were oppressive or um, suppressed their potential. And later on, because of their lack of faithfulness, they found themselves in the same position that these leaders were finding themselves. And instead of acting out in a more positive manner, they found themselves continuing the oppression and the suppression. And the victim became the perpetrator. I love the 10 minutes that um, uh, Mr. Chirabira spent just sharing the word and how, as a leader, that um, he sat down with pastors and there are instances that they felt like whatever decision that they make, still there are people who will not go with their decision. And sometimes as leaders or even people in positions of leadership may find themselves there. But what I've come to understand is at any particular time, faithful servants have always, at the end of the day, made situations better. Servants who have been under oppression and have ended up um, reacting to the oppression have ended up creating the situation, or, or rather making the situation more difficult, more, um, for lack of a better word, they have found themselves making the environment more hostile to them. But a caution to us who are also leaders in various levels, whether you have one person that you're watching over or a multitude of people. Ephesians 6, 9 continues and says that you masters do the same thing to them and give up threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Even as leaders, whoever, however you find yourself um, or wherever you find yourself as a master and as a leader, be very careful how you handle those that God has put under your authority. The fourth thing that I would love to, um, to talk about is the difference between working hard and working smart. Books have been written about hard work, and an equivalent number of books have also been written about smart working. 
when you're working for the Lord, both these um, verbs become pertinent. They become important. There are instances where hard work produces fruit. And there are instances that smart work also produces fruit. And sometimes you just don't have to work hard. You also have to work smart. What does the scripture say in uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 to 11? That go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? And the verses continue. When you look at that verse, two aspects comes out. The ant is not sluggard. It's work, it works hard in building a reserve for itself because it knows that there are times that are coming that it will be very difficult. So in, in, in the wisdom that God has given the ant, there's both hard work and there's both smart work. Hard work in building up the reserve and smart work in knowing the times and the place that you are. Sometimes the assignments that are given to me as a staff, an employee, I've had to ask God for wisdom to know, is this a task that demands I work hard or is this a task that demands I work smart? So therefore, fellow believers or listeners, I would urge us to always remember that sometimes hard and smart go hand in hand. The fifth thing that I would love to share about as I reflect on my Christian work, especially in my work environment, is, is, is my work ethic. Paul says in Colossians, allow me to open that portion of scripture, and Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 17, Put on therefore as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, a heart of compassion, kindness, lowliness, which is um, humility, and perseverance, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. If any man has a complaint against any, even as Christ forgave you, so you also do. Above all these things, walk in love, which is the bond of perfection. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Sometimes in developing a work ethic, we find ourselves with impossible workmates, tough assignments, lack of communication, or things that just affect how effective we become in our workplace. As we work with others and even as we work as working unto the Lord, which is Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, we need to remember the words of Paul to the Colossians, that we need to work as a, with a heart of compassion. When you enter that office, don't think of others as those who are there to undermine your success, but think of them as co-workers in building and providing excellence in the place that God has put you in. There are places where you will have to respond um, to situations with kindness, even when kindness is not the easiest option to go with. How about humility? How many times do we find ourselves as individuals um, trying to quote our qualifications or what we have been able to study? I once worked in an environment where we had a colleague who kept reminding us of the degrees that he has done. You guys, you cannot argue with me. I have done a degree in finance. I have done a master's in finance. Humility is knowing your potential and putting it under reserve. Because the people you're working with already in a way respect you and they know your potential. So you don't have to at times rub it in people's faces. How about perseverance? Tough places to find yourselves, tough assignments. Sometimes um, a while back, um, I had an assignment that took me hours to do. I would work until even 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. 
And the beauty of it all is that my wife at that time kept encouraging me and reminding me that Roy, persevere, this job is going to end at the end of the day. And because I put perseverance in sight, I worked hard, I worked smart, and eventually the work that I did, even I myself, was pleased. How about situations where workmates are impossible? They are not understanding. They keep making your life difficult as a Christian, and especially if you're working in the secular, um, the so-called secular environment. The Bible reminds us to bear with one another. And if there isn't any time a complaint between workers, the Bible reminds us that we ought to bring it to the table and discuss it and forgive where forgiveness is necessary. The sixth thing is something I would love to share with my brothers and sisters who are listening. And probably COVID has, for lack of a better word, taken away your job. I love how Chirabira was saying that at times, as a leader, you need to listen. And even as a faithful worker, you also need to listen to God's voice over that situation. Someone may say it is easy for you, Roy, to speak of the same because you have a job. You have a salary at the end of the month or you have an income that you are getting and you're able to support your family. I don't have it. How can you tell me to listen to God? How can you tell me to listen to God's voice in this situation? This is a season where God's voice has been silent. But I'm just reminding us that even in the midst of the noise of COVID, especially right now where most of us are struggling, we need to remember that God still speaks. And his voice is as clear as can be. He tells us in Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and he will give you peace that transcends all understanding. And finally, I would love to share my own experience, my own small experience. The seventh thing, when your work involves God as the boss, being a staff at Word of Life, I found that my job is both a calling and a command. There are instances that my bosses will tell me they need a report. But the principal thing that be, behind every work that I do, that I'm trying to remind myself every single morning that I wake up, is a great commission. Go ye forth and make disciples of all nations. How I pray that the Lord will strengthen me, that as a Christian, that as I interact with people, that as I do my job, that my job will be a testimony enough to remind people that indeed God is with us and that God is an option that we can always go back to. And therefore, these are just my small reflections as a Christian, especially when it comes to my life in the workplace. I know the conversation around Christianity and the workplace is as diverse and as wide as it can, as it can be. But this is just a gentle reminder to all of us that when all is said and done, work is how God began his creation. And work is how God sustains his creation. May God bless you. May God keep you. And may he continue strengthening you to work for him wherever he has put you at. Thank you, David, for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Roy. It's it's beautiful um, uh, the way you have put it. Um, I do love the verse that you just quoted for us. Work as to Christ and not as to men. Um, why? Because men are difficult to please. Men, men, men are... Hey, we, we are all men and have struggles. Uh, there are things we don't see, but God, Christ, sees all. And so work as unto him. And he did talk about working hard, working smart, just like those ants, building the anthill and saving up for the winter. Thank you. Thank you so much. I just have one question for you, Roy, before we go. It's five minutes past ten, and our time has been well spent. But the question I have is, 
towards integrity, I know you work with figures and I know most of the places where um, there's been challenges at work, where monies get lost, usually it's with the accounts office, okay? Those guys, they be sharp. They know how to manipulate figures. And I know this is something you have had to deal with or you have been trained uh, on how to have a very high level of integrity. And I know temptations come. I cannot imagine you having to dispense of thousands and thousands of Kenyan shillings knowing at home you have needs. And But could you just speak to us here, to a friend, one or two, who might be asking compromising questions when it comes to the area of integrity, especially when it comes to figures, either by fueling half the money you've been given to fuel and telling the pump attendant to give you a blank receipt but speak to us, um, because when it comes to integrity, taking shortcuts seems to provide the results that we need at that point. You will have that money, but we know that the Lord hates dishonest scales. Um, how has that played out for you, Roy, in working with figures? And, and, and just speak to someone tonight who may have a difficulty uh, writing number eight, they can they end up just writing six with only one swollen part instead of making it two swollen parts to make the number eight. The pen gets stuck, ink gets over when they are at number six instead of making it uh, number eight. Roy. Um, thank you, David. Um, it is a ironically, it's not the first time I get to answer this question and the question of integrity is something that is as subjective and as objective as individuals are um when i think about integrity i think about my relationship with god and i think about um working for god um the one who already knows how the end looks like and I ask myself, can I be, if God was to come and sit next to me, would I do what I am doing right now? And two verses stick out for me when I think about integrity. And I remember one I learned when I was in campus. And that is Second Samuel, I think it is 22. If it's not verse 25, it's 26. Um, that says to the faithful, you show yourself faithful. And to those with integrity, you show integrity. Um, and then Chronicles also reminds us that God, you know our hearts, and you rejoice when we find when you find integrity there. You know um, what we have done with good motives, and you have watched over your people, their gifts, as they use them willingly and joyfully. The first verse just is my greatest motivator. Um, I don't know for others, but for me, it's a great motivator. That if I am faithful, then God will show himself faithful. And that if I'm integral, then God will show himself integral. Hmm. And no matter what difficulty I go through, even when things are not as easy at home and the finances are so easily, readily found in the office, God's... <laughs> God acting faithfully towards me is a greater motivating factor than changing that zero into an eight or an eight into a zero. Um, that's what I can say, David. Amen. Uh, thanks. Thank you so much. Um, he rejoices when he finds integrity in our hearts. And check out a couple of verses online when it comes to integrity. Just just chew over those uh, as time goes by. They'll be great reminders. I've personally been studying the book of, uh, not the entire book, but the beginning chapters of the book of Daniel. And it's amazing how this man from a very young age refused. He says he resolved not to defile himself with the royal foods and wines. And then later on in his older age, he's seen another kingdom come uh, the Medo-Persians come. Now he's being threatened by thrown in the lion's den at the end of his life, but he still remains strong. And one area he had integrity on, by the way, towards the end of his life was the area of prayer because they're trying to stop him from praying. And it's amazing how God always, 
always rewarded those men. I love the words they said when they said, Oh King, even though we are to perish in this fire, we will not, we will not bow down. And man, that is integrity. That is integrity. But Roy, we've talked about your life in the house at home. We've talked about your life at work. And we're having you in once again on Friday with the third chapter of the Chronicles of Roy, if I can put it that way. But what are we looking forward to on uh, on Friday? What are we looking forward to on Friday, Mr. Roy? Um, thank you, David. What we're looking for, forward to on Friday is reflections of a Christian in the church, um, mm. particularly the church, for lack of a better word, stole my salvation. So how does a Christian act in the church? Sometimes when we are in the church, we think that we are safe, or mm. that the church is our salvation. But what happens when the church doesn't meet your salvation? What mm. happens next? If you're going to listen to a podcast before you go to bed, you can as well grow in your faith. Cabin Devils, your number one live podcast. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time.